Good morning, Church on the Rock! My name is Rashad. I am, I'm the cool pastor. Jason's the other pastor. I got to make sure people have that ingrained in their minds every week. Um, okay, there we go. Uh, I want to I remind you, especially those who are guests, what you're seeing is something that we as a church family here at Church on the Rock are trying to attack differently. When we came back from, from like, you know, being home and doing the online services and all of that, um, we didn't want to go back to the rituals and the, the routine church experience that, that America's kind of created in this building worship and this Sunday morning worship. So, like, even, even when you see me post the time of when church starts, we say 1030-ish. And I get all these inboxes like, what does ish mean? Like, and I'm like, oh, it means, like, we're not going to start at 1030 because we're more concerned with people getting here than the program of when we start and like kind of boom, boom, boom. In fact, today, um, today, Mama Lana, raise your hand real quick. Mama Lana went to go pick up Christine. And, and when I heard that, I didn't want to start until I saw them walk through the door because she was doing something of sacrificing her being here on time to go make sure somebody else could be here with us. That's, that's so much more important to us than starting at this time and what we look like to everybody else who comes. So if, you, if you're here for the first time or if you've been coming and you're like, what's all this like change? We're trying to get back to the basics of what it means to be an ecclesia, what it means to be a church family, what it means to be gathered together for God and God alone. And that looks different than what we've been doing because normally we walk in here and What's most important to us is how we look to our guests. Um, are the slides working? Are the microphones working? Like, it's all the, like even that static right there. Like right, we would be like ah static, you know. We're doing it now. Stop. <laughs> but we want to get away from that, and so we've been doing everything um, biblically to just look at the Bible and start breaking down these barriers of what of what America has kind of traditionally made church and just getting back to what church really is. Now, um, the good morning, Rashad, or whatnot, I want to make sure you're here. I want to make sure you're present. Last week, we talked about the presence of God being here and being the most important thing. So I'm going to do it one more time just to make sure you're awake and you're actually hearing the word of God, that you're actually present, that you're not just kind of going through your routine. I want to know that you're here with me. So let's try that one more time. My name's Rashad, not Rashard, not all these other, Rashid, yeah, all these other names I hear all the time. That is not it. It's Rashad. Good morning, Church on the Rock! All right, so last week, <laughs> that was a good one. Last week, we read uh, in Exodus, we looked at Moses having the conversation with God where he told God, I want to know your ways so that I can know you. And we really focused on the presence of God, how Moses said, don't send me to the promised land if you're not going with me. Like the promised land without God is just dirt, right? And so he says, don't send me to the promised land if you're not going to go with me. Don't, I don't want to be where you're not going to be. I want your presence with me. I want to know more about you so that I may know you. I want to know your way so that I may know you personally. And, and, and we just asked ourselves, like, is that our greatest focus here when we walk through those doors? When you walk through the doors, are you thinking to yourself, is the presence of God here or are you looking for, like, the bulletin and what songs are they singing today? And all? we said before you get to all of that, just think about the presence of God. Well, today, today we're taking, like, the next step in that, that knowing God and knowing his ways. We're going to be in 1 John, 1 John chapter 2. So if you have your Bibles, if you have your phones, we're going to be in 1 John chapter 2. And this is going to be a, um, it's going to be a challenging text, and it's, like, going to be super simple but super challenging if you take it for exactly what it says. I'm going to do as I always do. I'm going to read the context. So I'm going to start in chapter 1. It's only 10 verses, so I'm going to read that entire chapter. But then we're going to look at um, chapter 2, like the first six verses, 1 through 6 is where we're going to be. 
So I'm going I'm to go ahead and read, uh, starting in 1 John chapter 1. John says, what was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. And the life was manifested. And we have seen and testified and proclaimed to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested to us. What we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you also, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. These things we write so that our joy may be made complete. This is the message we have heard from him and announced to you, that God is light. And in him, there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for those of the whole world. By this, and this is where we're going to land, three through six, by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. The one who says, I have come to know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, the love of God has truly been perfected. By this we know that we are in him. The one who says he abides in him ought, to, ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. That's what we're going to be today. Now look, I know, I know you're tired. I know, I mean, how many people in the room are tired? Seriously, just with everything going on, how many people are tired of mask, no mask, racial tension, schools, everything? How many are tired? How many are tired? It looks like everybody in the room is sick and tired. I'm tired too. I'm tired. I'm absolutely tired. And I I was praying on where to go next because I, I can't wait to get back to Romans, but God just won't let me get back to Romans yet. <laughs> Those of you who don't know, we're doing a five-year journey through Romans. It's probably going to be eight years now, but hey, who knows? <laughs> long, as they, long as they tell me I can stay, we're going to get back to Romans. But um, <laughs> ish. Eight-ish. There you go. <laughs> um, you guys know where I'm at. Normally, before all of this, I was all about my alliteration and my points and couldn't wait to show you all of my study, but I'm tired. You know, I'm, I'm looking at those who are professing Christ, who are saying Jesus is Lord of their lives. And as I'm watching them, whether it be in person, in public, on Facebook, or whatever, I'm seeing the opposite of what I just read. I'm seeing the exact opposite of everything I just read. The Bible says, it says right here in verse 6, this is kind of where you want to land. The one who says he abides, he abides in Christ. What is, oh, okay, turn the page on me, sorry. The one who says he abides in Jesus. Like anybody here who professes that Jesus is Lord, who says I am in Jesus, I am in Christ. It says if you're making that profession with your lips, then something has to happen with your life. The word ought in verse 6 here, in the Greek, it means obligation. In the Greek, it means debt. So if I'm making a proclamation, if I'm saying that Jesus is Lord of my life, I have a debt, 
an obligation, a responsibility to walk or live in the same manner as Jesus. Now, let's, let's think about that. How did Jesus walk? I mean, you sing the songs, you've memorized some of the verses, but you could take the whole Bible and, and sum it up in two words, sacrificial love. Period. Where, where when you look at the, 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 the entire, like, gospel, everybody in this room was a broken vessel. Everybody in this room is a sinner. It doesn't matter your skin color. It doesn't matter your age, your ethnicity. It doesn't matter what, if you're from Crazy Avon or from the Holy Brownsburg, right? Like, it doesn't matter, right? And Jesus saw that you could do nothing for yourself, that you were helpless, that your natural tendency, your human nature was to disobey God. You cannot save yourself. And so he sacrificed himself for you so that anyone who believes on his name, anyone who believes in him would be delivered, saved for eternity. That's the basic gospel, right? Then he looks at all those who claim that they believe that, who claim to place their trust in that, and says, now go do the same. It's amazing how all I see right now from those who are proclaiming Jesus Christ is the exact opposite. It's not about the person in front of you. It's about you. Everything going on right now is me-centric. It is ego. It is, it is inward. My rights, my opinion, my views, me, 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 to the extent that I don't care who I hurt. I don't care how you feel. I don't care how this makes you feel or, or who I'm hurting when I'm doing this. And, and that's not Jesus. So, so, so the Bible says this. This is what the Bible says. This is not me. I'm not on a tangent. I'm just reading the word of God. The one who says, I have come to know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar. A liar. Let's look at some of the commandments. So we have this thing here. We call them five non-families. We've been, we've been preaching about five non-families for two to three years. People call it small groups, but we want it to be deeper than that. In the Bible, there are 59 commandments. Commandments from the word of God on what church family is supposed to be with one another, okay? There are 59 commandments. And remember, when we read the context of this, it said in the beginning was the word of life. Jesus is the word of life. The Bible, if, if, if the Bible was a human being, it's Jesus. You got that? So if the Bible was manifested as a human being, you get Jesus. Okay, so Jesus is the word. So the commandments of the word are the commandments for us today. Let me just read all 59 for you, and you tell me if you can see where many of us in this room right now are not living out these commandments. We're liars. And some of them repeat themselves, and whichever one repeats itself the mo most is probably the most important commandment. So just, just catch that. Be at peace with each other. Well, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> like, eh, right? Like, a big X, eh, wrong. Like, be at peace with each other is the first one here in Mark 9.50. From Jesus' mouth himself, he looks at believers and says, be at peace with each other. But my rights and my views and my opinions are so important to me that I can't have wholeness with this because i got to prove to you that I'm right and you're wrong. Or i got to prove to you. Come on. This, that's the world. That is not the church. That, that is not what this is supposed to be about. Self-sacrifice. Prioritizing one another. Where your interests, Jeremy, mean more to me than my own. You, you, Mama Lana was late, quote, unquote, to make sure that Christine got here as well. You see that? Like, I'm not worried about being here on time. I'm worried about her getting here with me. 
You, do you see how that is lived out? Be at peace with each other. Wash one another's feet. Y'all ain't touching my feet. But that just means serve, okay? Serve each other, okay? Here we go. Number three, love one another. Number four, love one another. Number five, love one another. Number six, love one another. Number seven, love one another. Wow. Sounds important, Ralph. It does. It sounds important. But the way that we live, I don't know if it is. I really don't know if it is. Look at this. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Sounds pretty much the same right there. All these are, I can send you this list. All these are separate verses. Honor one another above yourselves. Live in harmony with one another. Love one another. Stop passing judgment on one another. Accept one another just as Christ has accepted you. Instruct one another. Greet one another with a holy kiss. When you come together to eat, wait for each other. Have equal concern for each other. Greet one another with a holy kiss. Greet one another with a holy kiss. Today, that's like, that's like, that's the holy kiss today, okay? <laughs> that's what that is today, okay? Serve one another in love. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, you will be destroyed by each other. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Carry each other's burdens. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgive each other. Speak to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, meaning, meaning that person may not deserve it, but it's not, you're not doing it for them. You're doing it out of reverence for Christ. Like, like that, that, that goes for your marriage, like your husband, your wife, get on your last nerve. Okay, I get that. But your faithfulness is based on your I do to him first before your I do to your spouse. That, yeah, that's heavy. That's heavy. But it's the same way in the church family. When, when, you, when you become a part of a gathering, when you become a part of a covenant relationship in a gathering, you're saying I do to him first that, hey, Father, I believe you placed me here for this family. And therefore, even if I disagree with them, even if they rub me the wrong way, my reverence for you, you they may not be worthy, but he is worthy. And because of his worthiness, I will submit and surrender and serve out of reverence for Christ. This is a command. In humility, consider others better than yourselves. Do not lie to each other. Bear with each other. Forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Teach one another. Admonish one another. Make your love increase and overflow for each other. Love each other. Encourage each other. Encourage each other. Build each other up. Encourage one another daily. Spur one another toward love and good deeds. Encourage one another. Do not slander one another. Don't grumble against each other. Confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other. Love one another deeply from the heart. Live in harmony with one another. Love each other deeply. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve one another. Clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. Greet one another with the kiss of love. And the last, I'm, I'm on 54 through 59. Love one another, 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 and love one another. 25% of the 59 one another commandments. That means in the Greek, in the Greek, it's, it's called an imperative. This means it's not a suggestion. It's a command. This is what you do because you are claiming that you belong to him. You are claiming that you abide in Jesus Christ. And the Bible says if you are making that claim, you have an obligation to walk just as Jesus walked. 
living out his commands. There's 59 of them that we're supposed to have together as believers. Now, think about your Facebook posts. Because maybe you're thinking, well, face to face, I don't do this. But see, we got technology now. And, and if you just consider who's in this room right now, if you just look around right now, just look around. Can you imagine that maybe something you've posted has not been loving one another? Has not been considering the thoughts or the views or the hurts or the pains of each other? And I don't care where you are on the spectrum. I really don't. I don't care if you're down here or down there and everything in between. Put all that to the side because what Christ commands comes first. Comes first. Have you considered reaching out to somebody who you know perhaps in this family doesn't feel the way you do and just having a conversation? People are getting scared to spend time with family. Well, check this out. If they shut down the country again, let me tell you what happened last time they shut down the country. I got all these complaints from people about how they don't have any fellowship because they're not willing to just love one another. So many people were alone and hurt because we closed the doors to the building, not the church, the building. And then we pushed back and said, well, for two to three years, we've been begging you to get naked and unashamed with one another so that you could love one another, so that you had something that didn't require Sunday. But it was our fault. It was our fault. It wasn't your fault. It was our fault. We've pushed and we've pushed and said, when do you live out the Bible? We've put all the things in place for you to surrender in that, but you're not walking in the way that Jesus walked. Are you willing to sacrifice your pride, sacrifice your ego, sacrifice even your personality to walk as Jesus walked? He walked with people, right? Like, he had relationships with people. He lived life daily with people. It wasn't, it wasn't a, like, wh why are you scared to be vulnerable with one another? Why are you scared to get real with one another? Sunday should be an access point to actually find your church. Remember what we said a couple weeks ago? Like, there's no way, I mean, it, I guess it could be possible, but in today's society, there's no way all these people in this room are going to be deep and intimate with each other, right? And so when we were talking about church discipline, we said church discipline requires intimacy because if you can't be removed from something, I mean, because you can't be removed from something that you were never a part of. So if we're like, hey, because you're doing this uh, and you won't, you know, you won't submit, you won't submit to leadership, you won't listen to the word of God, we're going to have to ask you to, you know, we're going to have to treat you the way the Bible says to treat you, which is we love you, we're praying for you, we want to restore you, but right now you're not a part of the church family. Well, some people would be like, Okay, I'm going down the connection point. Whoop de doo, right? Because they're not really a part of the church family to begin with. So, so, so this is this is not really church on Sundays. But you know what is church? When I'm sitting down with Darius, crying through the struggles I'm going through as a pastor, and we're crying together, and I depend on him, and we build together, and me and him, we, we go deeper and deeper in that relationship to where a year later, if he has to hold me accountable to something, I don't want to lose my relationship with Darius, so I'm willing to, I'm willing to repent and be restored to that, because I don't want to lose that. Well, see, Sunday gives me access to those relationships, but those relationships are lived out throughout the week. They're not lived out. Those 59 one another's I just told you, do those happen here in the 15 minutes before we start service? Completely? No. Do they happen in the 15 minutes after? Most of you trying to figure out what you're eating. Once you're, like right now, you're like, all right, Sean, like, yeah, what time is it? 11.23, bro. Like, come on, right? Like, like, so you're not worried about those 59 one another's. In fact, you come here to hear a word, to sing a little bit, maybe to feel good about yourself because you walked in here. But you could care less what happens to everybody in this room after today. And you're, you're showing it. Like, you're showing it. But, like, 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 
I got my own views and my own opinions, and you'll never know it. Why? Because I'm, I'm so concerned about losing you. You'll never truly know what I feel because I'm so worried about you. I don't want to lose you. You are so much more important than my views. You are so much more important than my opinion. The only thing you'll ever know about my view is that Christ and Christ alone is the only way to heaven. Those are the only things you're going to get out of me. People, people are watching me in the community like, man, I can't tell if he's, if he's all the way pro Black Lives Matter or if he's all the way pro cops. I don't know because he's out here loving Black Lives Matter, loving the cops, loving I, I don't know what he is. Exactly. Exactly. I'm, I'm simply trying to stand with Jesus for what's right. That's it. And so, so that falls over here because it's right? Then, then I'll back it up with Scripture. I'll be like, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm supporting this because of this, not because of some person or because of my ethnicity or any of that. It's because the Bible says it, and I just want to walk the way Christ walked. If it, if it leads me down here, it's because I want to walk the way Christ walked. And when you do that, people are confused. They call you a hypocrite. They call you this. They call you, you know why? Because they did the same thing to Jesus. They didn't know what to think of Jesus. Man, he's sitting with them tax collectors and sinners. Yep. Yep. He sure is. It was the right thing to do. Right? So, like, when, when, do we, when, do we, when do we matter to each other? When do we actually matter? When can you look at somebody that is across the way from you and say, man, forget all this division in the world. You matter to me. You matter to me. I don't want to lose you. I don't want to break our fellowship. The world says we have to go to corners. Hey, if you're black and you're upset about police, police brutality, you go over there. And if you're a Trump supporter and you think this is all uh, over, over whatever, you go over there. Hey, if you want to wear a mask, you go over there. And if you don't want to wear a mask, you go over there. Like that, you, that's what the world is telling you to do. And you can't, you can't be black over here and, and be concerned with like, hey, Police injustice and all this good stuff. Oh, but I don't agree with everything, so I'm kind of in that corner. No, you can't do that. You got to pick a corner. And the world is divided, and then Jesus is right here in the middle saying, come out and come as you are. Come out of your corners exactly as you are. You ain't got, you could be racist for all I care. I've talked to racist people over the last two weeks. Come as you are. I'm good with that. And come to the middle. Just come here as you are. You racist? Come on. You an adulterer? Come on. You this? You that? Come as you are. Come as you are right here. And if you surrender to truth, the only truth I know, the only truth I know, if you surrender to truth, you will find unity right here. We're not willing to do that. We're letting man and media and everything else tell us what truth is. John says, this is what John says about truth. He says, he says that Jesus is the word of life. Jesus is the truth. So, so when do you surrender all of your feelings to the word of God? When, and, and, and amens and hallelujahs don't work this morning, okay? Because we've been saying amen and hallelujah for a whole lot of years, and we're still right here. So you're amen? Nope. Who said it? Who said it? <laughs> <laughs> they, they don't work this morning. Instead, what's going to work is your patterns, your changed patterns. Now, here's the blessing. Here's the blessing. Even in this, even in, in this message, in this just reading of the scriptures, God loves you. Right? Like, it, it says, it, I mean, it speaks here, like, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar. Like, I'm just as guilty as anybody. I'm not up here on some pedestal, y'all. Like, no, 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 no. I made mistake after mistake after mistake in all of this. I'm, I'm still trying to figure out, hey, are we supposed to be distanced? Am I supposed to be wearing a mask right now? Like, I don't know. I'm not perfect. This is, this is me trying to be as faithful as I can. Right? And I, I'm so thankful that in my brokenness, I have an advocate named Jesus, who speaks up for every mistake that I've made in these last two to three months with everything I've done. I praise God for that. 
But there are some things that we are willingly choosing to do to hurt one another. The opposite of love. Because we know what it will do to somebody else and we still choose to do it. When does that actually stop? Not because that person deserves it. Not because you, your Facebook is not your Facebook, your rights are not your rights. But when do we stop that? Because it's simply what Jesus would do. That's what I'm asking this morning. And, like, the song that we're singing to end this thing, it's, it's so heavy. Like, when we sing this song called Broken Vessels, I, I was just, I was looking at the lyrics. Can you, Sean, can you put the lyrics up? Because I don't know them by heart yet. I was trying to memorize them. But, like, just this first verse here. Sean, if you could put those lyrics up. All these pieces broken and scattered. Like, take this song and just look around the room. Like, that's where this song comes in at. Like, all these pieces, all of them, everybody in here is a piece that is broken and and we were scattered. Those of us who, who are believers now, we, we, we get the next part. We get the next part. Uh, go to the next part. In mercy, we're gathered and mended whole. Like, look at that. Lots of individuals pre-Christ are broken, scattered all around, right? This is, where, this is why the world is still divided. Broken, scattered pieces. Views and thoughts and opinions everywhere. Broken and scattered. But in, in God's mercy... We've been gathered, come out of your corner, come out of your corner, come out of your corner, right here to Jesus, and we've been mended and made whole. That, that shalom, that's, that's, in the Hebrew, that's what it really is. It's, it's wholeness. It's wholeness. We've been mended and, and made whole. Keep going, Sean. Keep going. Because when you sing it, I want you to feel this. Empty-handed, we have nothing that we brought to the table. We, brought, we did nothing for our salvation. We brought nothing to the table. We were empty-handed, but, but we were not forsaken. And then it says, we've been set free. Free from what? From these corners that are trying to hold you in shackles to be against each other. You are allowed to not be a label in a box. You are allowed to be what Christ calls you and not what the world calls you. Why do you keep running back to your corner? What is that important about you being right here on earth? Isn't the most important thing for the believer to be right with God? With God. And like I've always, Church on the Rock, you know me. You know me. I've never asked you to change a view or an opinion or a preference. I've never asked you to do that. That's what creates diversity. But the Bible says that the world will know us, the church, by our love for one another with all of that diversity. With all of that. We look different to everybody. Why? Because they, people know us. They're like, man, I know Josh. I, I know Greg. I know Dave. And if these brothers are on all these different views, how can, they, how can they be together on Sunday morning? Or even better, how can they be having breakfast on Tuesday morning? How can they have dinner on Thursday night if they got all these contradicting views? When I look at the world, they can't get along. How are they getting along? Oh, well, because regardless of if he's a Democrat or a Republican or he's this or he's that, I still love him. Jesus is still Jesus. He's still my brother in Christ, which is, which is closer to me than my own blood. My spiritual family is deeper and closer to me than my blood family. So I'm not willing to let that go because we have a difference in opinion and view. We have the same opinion when it comes to Jesus, surrendering everything at the feet of the cross. When do we live that out? When do we actually live that out? Well, I think this is where it is. Let's go to the chorus real quick. So, so look at this. The chorus says, um, I thought it said amazing grace, Sean. See? <laughs> the chorus says, see, I haven't had slides for a while, so I'm not used to this anymore. It says amazing grace. Right? Like, like remember, like, Justice is getting what you deserve. Okay, everybody in this room deserves hell. 
I, I, know, I know my rights according to America. Spiritually, you deserve hell regardless of your American rights. Spiritually, you deserve hell. Amazing grace. Start right there. Now, now, now when you hear that, amazing grace, here comes the next part. How sweet the sound. Like, what does that sound like to you, knowing that you didn't get what you deserved? Knowing that Jesus, in the form of God, this is Philippians 2, in the form of God, didn't consider being equal to God a thing to be held on to, a thing to be grasped, let it go, and came down for you who didn't deserve it. You don't deserve the cross. You don't deserve Jesus to die on the cross for you. You didn't earn that. You didn't have a, you didn't have a right to his atonement. You didn't have a right to that propitiation. You didn't have a right to that death. It was amazing grace. Can you hear that? Is that, is that not a sweet sound? Do you, do you actually believe that you were a wretch? Like this is 1 John. When he says if you don't, if you don't think this was the problem he was fighting, there were people there who didn't think they were sinners. You know the people. Ah, uh, yeah. Me and God got an understanding. What? What's that understanding? I'd love to know. Right? Or, or I believe in God. I just don't think Jesus had to do anything for me. As long as I do my best, I'm going to get into heaven. Okay. Good luck with that. Because I read the Bible and I recognize that I am a wretch. I am a broken vessel. I'm a former alcoholic. I'm a, I'm a former <laughs> deadbeat father. I'm a former cheater, cheater of my wife. Adultery, sorry. I couldn't even think of it. Like, I'm, I'm all of these things in my testimony, right, that, that just remind me of how amazing his grace is. Have you talked to yourself in a while? Have you actually stopped and talked to yourself in a while about who you were or who you are if you take Christ out of the equation? And if you think about that, if you think about the grace he's given you and how you still mess up every single day, how can you not consider others more important than yourself? How can you not replicate what you've received unless the only thing that matters to you is you? I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. What do you see? What do you actually see? I was blind. I'll stand, I'll be the first one to tell you, I was blind. I was living a life where the only thing that mattered to me was me. If, if you would have, if this whole pandemic and racial tension would have happened 12 years ago, you wouldn't want to know me. I'm going to tell you right now, you wouldn't want to know me because I would do everything I can to tear down anybody who's against my view or my opinion. Flat out, you wouldn't want to know me. I was lost. I was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. So, so what does it say after that? It says, oh, so I can, now that I can see, guess what I see? I see Jesus. That's what I see. I don't see a better me. I see him. I see him. I don't see myself. I see him, and as I see him, I read 1 John, and it says, and if I actually see him, then I have an obligation to walk like him him. If I can see how Jesus walks, then I can mimic his pattern. Well, guess what? His pattern was the cross. First Peter 2 says he gave us an example, and that example was death. You sure you want to claim Christianity? You sure you about that life? Is this really what you want? This is the cost of discipleship. Take up your cross. I can see you now. Oh, I can see the love in your eyes. What does that love look like? Look at this. Look at this. It says laying your, what, what, come on, Sean, work with me. Laying yourself down, raising up the broken to life. Like that's what I see when I see Jesus. I see Jesus laying himself down and raising up the broken. That's what I see. And because I see that, guess what I do? 
I lay myself down. Is it fair? Nope. Does it hurt? Yep. Do I get offended often? All the time. All the time. Have there been nights where I've cried on my wife's lap because I just don't know how much longer I can do it? Yep. Does it seem like sometimes that God's letting everybody get away with it? Yep. Yeah. All those things you probably feel that probably make you scared to do this, I feel all of it, and yet I saw Jesus do it. And when I saw Jesus do it, I determined if I'm going to be like Jesus, then I'm going to do the exact same thing, no matter how it feels, because he did it for me. So why would I not do it for you? Now my question is, as a, not even as a pastor, man, as your brother in Christ, when do we start doing this for each other? Because I'm... The, the greatest burden in ministry right now is watching you guys tear each other apart. Knowing that he died so that we didn't have to be this way. Knowing that he died so we didn't have to be this. This is exactly what he died for. He broke the dividing wall between humanity and God and between anything that would separate us. If you call yourself a Christian... If you call yourself a follower of Christ, why tear down what Christ died for? What is that important to you? Your rights? Your views? What is that going to matter when we get to heaven? What is it really going to matter? If you, can't, if, you, if you can't control yourself, get off of social media. Hang it up. You don't... You don't you're not obligated to be on social media as a Christian. You don't have to be on there. And trust me, in August, I'm done. I'm doing my job for the community, but I'm done because I'm getting attacked by my own family. And you don't even know it because you haven't even reached out to find out what I think or what I feel. But when I look at Jesus, I attacked him. When I look at Jesus, I offended him. When I look at Jesus, I disrespected him. I hurt him. Every nail that went through his hands and his feet, that crown of thorns was because of me. I own that. And so if he could love me and continue to go to that cross and continue to die knowing I would do all of this, then why would I not do the same for you? Why would you not do the same for each other? What's holding you back? What's sincerely holding you back? So I'm, I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. Um, I, I beg you that as you sing the words to this song, that you consider 1 John that you consider the fact that you can see now. If you, if you have surrendered your life to Christ, you can see him. The veil has been removed. You can actually see him. What do you see when you see Christ? And how does that actually impact your life? What changes as a result? What obligation do you feel to live out because you can actually see him now? Before, before I could see him, I really thought the way I was living was right because it was about me. It made me feel good. And this is not just our times are in this racial tension and this COVID-19, but we could throw that away. I don't want you to think I'm some political preacher. No, no, no. What about what you're doing in your marriage right now? How are you, lov how are you loving your spouse the way Jesus loved you, that you can see Jesus loved you? What about your parenting right now? What about your addictions right now, where you're depending on that bottle or those pills or whatever it is, or food even, instead of depending on the one that you can see loved you like no one else or no, no other thing can love you? Like, we don't, have to, we don't have to stay in that pocket. We can come anywhere in your life. Look at any area of your life. Can you see Jesus? Can you see him now? Can you actually see him now? And if not, then, then this is the time to, to surrender. This is, this is maybe, maybe you're sitting there and you're like, Rashad, no, I actually can't. I've been playing church 
the routine and the rituals. I've been doing the, the Sunday thing thinking, but I've never actually seen that grace that you're talking about. Well, now's the time. You see, in all of your brokenness, being a broken vessel in all of that, he died for you before you got yourself together. He didn't say, get yourself together and then come. He said, come as you are as a broken vessel. This is the amazing grace that he died for us while we were sinners, while we were helpless, while we were enemies. Listen to that, y'all. He died for you while you were his enemy. Let me say that again. He died for you while you were his enemy. His enemy. That's the gospel. And then he tells you to go live that out because people will respond and ask you, how can you still love me? I had a guy, I had a guy, I'm, I'm going to share this and then I'm, I'm really going to get out the way. I'm, I'm doing these convos in the community, right? I'm doing these convos. I'm talking to people, having these hard conversations. A guy came in and said, Rashad, I'm just going to tell you up front, I hate black people. Up front, I hate black people. Do you still want to talk? I said, sure. He said, well, then what do we have to talk about? I said, why? He told me what happened to him when he was in prison and how the result of what happened to him in prison is the reason he hates black people today, including myself. Do you know, after just letting him talk and hearing him, even though I disagreed with everything he thought about black people, do you know at the end of that conversation, that man hugged me and said I was wrong? I don't, it's not, you know what, honestly, it's not even about the clap. I'm just trying to show you the power of Jesus. It's not even about the clap. He hated me because of my ethnicity. I had two decisions to make. Respond in anger because it hurts that you hate me because I'm black. Or to simply say they hated Jesus too and he loved them. I hated Jesus and he loved me. My enemy, my actual enemy, I didn't pull out stats. I didn't say anything to negate how he felt or anything like that. I simply said, why? I listened to him, and I loved him through it. He bought a wrap in Rashad. <laughs> it's a sandwich. I'm sorry, y'all. And at the end, he hugged me and said, I, I was wrong. We can change this community and perhaps even the world one soul at a time if we do what 1 John says and feel an obligation to walk the way Jesus walked. If we really believe that we are the broken vessels that he's brought together to change the world, to actually change the world. It's not about you. It's not about me. If it was, as soon as you accepted Christ, he'd bring you home. If it was just about your salvation, you would accept Christ and you'd go home. That'd be it. Why are you still here? Why are you still walking this earth as a believer, as somebody who is assured of your salvation? It's not for you. It's for others, the others being the enemies of you, the lost, the broken. This is why we still exist here on earth. It's for the kingdom. So let's stand up and sing this song, and let's take every word in and let it actually change the way we walk out of here today. Can we do that? Amen. All these and empty-handed, but not forsaken, I've been set free, I've been set
This podcast is a ministry of Church on the Rock, building his body, breaking our barriers. If you would like to learn more, please visit our website at www.churchontherockbb.com.